This is another iRaw podcast. It's painful. And even though I had absolutely nothing to do with the way that Remy was born or what he went through prior to him coming to me, I still carry that guilt that I've somehow failed him, that I couldn't make changes to make him better. Hey, I'm Katya. I am a writer and a life coach for animal people. And I'm Jenny. I'm the founder of Better Together Dog Rescue. And together we are your hosts here at The Animal That Changed You. We are moms of both humans and dogs who want to advocate for animals, support our animal friends, and seek out ways to make a difference. So if you love animals, you have come to the right place. This show is for you. Hey, everyone. I'm glad you're here today on The Animal That Changed You. It's Gabby and Jenny. Just trigger warning. Today we talk about the end of a life in case that's something that you can't handle today. But we really wanted to have an honest conversation about a tough topic that not a lot of people talk about. I'm going to check in on Jenny now. Hi, baby. Hi. I'm a wreck for everyone who's listening. I wanted to hop on to do this recording now because it's so raw what I went through and I want people to understand what we go through Mm -hmm. in this field, the responsibilities that we take on, how much it impacts us. So it's, I'm emotional and it's going to be a little raw, but bear with me. Thank you for Um, being raw. Thank you for being authentic and taking the time right now. And I know why you're doing it. And I know it's not for you. And I know it's for people to understand, for people to be part of this, for people to care about animals. Yes, it's very true. So I just got back from humanely euthanizing six-month-old puppy. His name was Remy. Remy seemed to have some sort of neurological issue, which made him aggressive towards dogs. I also got bit. Another person got bit. And we had a trainer out to assess him. And I spoke with our veterinarian about it. And I spoke with our my rescue friends about it. And we all came to the same conclusion that it was the right thing to do for Remy I took on that responsibility and was with him about 30 minutes ago. And I know that this is a very, very large judgment zone for a lot of people. I see it on social media all the time. People coming down on shelters and rescue workers for euthanasia. And it's just so wrong to see that. And I'm not afraid of those people today who are listening and who might be judging because I surrounded myself with people who understand and support me. My best girlfriends that I grew up with, they all texted me at 10 a.m. When they knew I'd be there, they lit candles. For those who have to go through this, just surround yourself with the people who understand and who care and who don't judge you. Because it is, it's a really hard thing to go through. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's hard about it? What the feeling is? It's painful. And even though I had absolutely nothing to do with 
the way that Remy was born or what he went through prior to him coming to me, I still carry that guilt that I've somehow failed him, that I couldn't make changes to make him better. But I also was with him and I loved him and he will be with me forever. I've paid for his cremation. He will be with me and my pets that I had for 16 years. And he means just the same to me as any of them did. Can we dig in a little bit more to this idea that you failed him? What would it have looked like if I, here's a magic button. Okay. I'm going to push it. Here's the dream scenario. You got exactly what you wanted with when it came to Remy. What would that have looked like, Jenny? For him not to be stressed all the time, for him not to feel the need to be aggressive, to just be able to be a puppy, which he wasn't, you know, anyone could look at this dog and see that something wasn't right and that his future would have been one of torture, self-torture for him. What do you mean by that? Because he, he wasn't comfortable in his skin, in his body, in his atmosphere. He was very uncomfortable. As a puppy, we have to think about what that would look like when he becomes fully mature. How safe would that be for him? How safe would that be for an adopter? What sort of life that would look like for him? You know, because people, is there one person in this world that might have stepped up to take Remy? Yeah, there might have been one person, but what is that life going to look like for Remy? And the person, what would that person and the person, what would that person have to do to keep him safe? What is the margin for error for that person? Pretty slim. It's pretty slim and, and things happen. You can, you can try your best to keep everybody safe. But, you know, when I talked to you yesterday about this, we live in a world with dogs all around dogs, people, owners who don't put their dogs on leash and dogs that slip out of leash and people who get in the way of, of fights and can get really, really hurt, really hurt. Did he have any prey drive around other animals? I'm wondering cats, et cetera, if there was any squirrels. I don't know because I, I don't have cats here. He was just very unpredictably aggressive with other dogs. And he bit through your jeans, right? He bit, yeah, he bit through my pants and drew blood on my butt cheek, which is not ideal for sitting down and being comfortable. But, and he would also go into these zones where he was like kind of spaced out and staring at a wall. He just, he, what, like when you think of a puppy, it's not, it's the opposite of what Remy was. Something was going on and he wasn't able to live his best life. He just wasn't. When you talk about what you would have wanted for him, right? That magic scenario where there was rehabilitation, right? Where you would have been able to bring him back from this. What is the frustration? What does it mean to you that that wasn't possible? What is the evidence? What does that prove to you? I mean, I know that, that I made the right decision. I had another puppy who also had some aggressive issues, both with dogs and with people. But the difference 
I could just tell the difference with, with the first puppy, it was fear. It was fear-based. And I knew that with proper training and confidence building that she could recover from this and be a great dog. And that is not at all what I saw with Remy. It was something totally different. And, you know, even with some pretty hard training, the unpredictability of his behavior just made me feel like all the training in the world could not take that out of his brain. There was something there. I mean, these dogs were very well-balanced dogs. The dogs were not instigating. The dogs were not interested in playing, yet he still turned on them. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't sniff a dog. You know, he would, he had no, he was very detached from like life in general. So what, what I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that some of the pain is having to make a decision based on a scenario that makes us go face to face with how little control we have sometimes and actually all the time. That's not something that we want to see every day. I mean, I think the pandemic really hit that over everyone's head, but in rescue, you are having a little mini pandemic all the time because there's so many fires to put out. This is what I hear you talking about. And then there's just elements you don't control. And one of them might be a dog that is chemically imbalanced and there's nothing you can do about it other than hold a goodbye. Exactly. And any humane euthanasia that I'm going to come across is going to hit me the same because I'm a human and I love dogs and it's always sad to see them go. I think with a puppy, it's the unknown that really hits you hard. It's like, you know, could he go into a board and train for a year? Could he come out of this? Maybe, maybe not. And in rescue, you have to make those hard decisions because you don't have the resources to put a dog in board and train for a year and not have a solid answer that he's going to be okay at the end of it, that it's not going to still wind up in the same situation where we still have to put him down. And you also can't change the reality, right? You can do what you can and you're doing it. What I hear from you too is sort of an acknowledgement that we put down a lot of animals who are wonderful animals and Nobody wants to talk about the fact that when you spend all of your budget and your resources based on reality, right? This is just reality on a dog, an animal. That means there are a lot of other animals who you could have taken in who do not get your service, their services. They do not get your support. They do not get to live. They do not get to come home. They don't. They have to get euthanized at those rural shelters because your resources are going to this one animal. And so it's an unfair, this is speaking from my own experience, so please correct me if I'm speaking out of turn, but it is so unfair to have to weigh life. That's awful. We do it in a million ways, Jenny. I walk into the shelter, I have to pick who to walk. I have to pick which cat to snuggle. You pick, we're picking, it's a picking. It weighs on you. 
it does. And I realistically am doing it all the time because I can't pull every dog from the shelter. That's a daily thing in this field when they're right in front of you. When that little, little baby is just right there, it's a lot harder to face it. I hear you. It's not about money. It is about resources. I mean, that's what shelters and rescues are facing all over the country. That's why dogs are being euthanized because there's no place for them to go. There's not enough resources to support them. But you're absolutely right. I mean, a year of board and train, even a month of board and train would suck so much of our resources that we wouldn't be able to, you know, we could probably save 20 dogs for the amount of one month of board and train. And so we are put in these positions all the time. And that's why it it aggravates me so much when people are so quick to judge. I mean, I know social media is social media. It's a place for people to say what they want to say. What do you really want to say to those people? What do you expect them to say? What do you expect them to think or, or say or feel? And if one of them sat down right here on this podcast and heard you, based on what you think they'd say, what would you want to respond with? I understand feeling angry, but we're not the people that you should be angry with. You know, we are humans. We have feelings. We don't want to do these things. And I think it's so easy for people to say mean things and to judge and to not step up, to tell us that there's all these other options you know, as if we don't know and we don't try our hardest before having to make these decisions. Who are you mad at? You said we're not the ones to be mad at. Who? Where's the anger going? In Remy's situation, I don't know his history. I don't know where he was prior. I do really feel like it was a chemical issue. It was a neurological issue. But in a lot of cases, it's the places they came before they got to us, they came from, the way they were treated there, abuse, neglect, street life, survival. You know, we're the ones trying to help. And sometimes that's the best help that we can give them. And I respect and understand people being upset. I do because I'm upset. And But nobody is helping the situation by trying to bring others down, especially those who are taking this on every day and really, truly trying to make that difference. I I hear you. I acknowledge how hard this is. I really do. You sent me some videos. I did. I want to just reflect back to you that in watching you in that room with him at the vet, like... I really thought about why when I'm watching you with Remy, petting him, loving him, making sure he knows that he mattered, why why did it crack me? Like, what is it about that scenario that like my heart is cracking, my chest is cracking, I'm like all of me feels this caving in. And I, I wanted to know if you wanted to just think about that with me for a minute, like if you could explain what happens there? So maybe we can get to like, what is the feeling? Like, what is the thought? What is it? Why, why is it? What does it represent? What is it? 
It's not just that it's sad. It's something else. It is. I questioned for a moment whether I should make recordings, but I really wanted to have a moment that I could share with people. You know, obviously I, I did not record during, during the actual moment. I recorded before and I recorded after. And for me, and I can only say it from my own personal experience, I was like very stoic up until it was really time. And I just wanted to make him feel safe and I wanted it to be very peaceful. And thankfully, my vet is wonderful and and makes it that way. And so in the first video, which I can share, you know, on our Instagram and Facebook, if anybody wants to see it, it was just having a moment, a connective moment between Remy and I, no words, just energy, wanting him to know that he was loved and he was safe and that I was making the best decision for him. And then the after video is just me grieving a loss of life. So when you're there and you're looking at life like that, that close, and you're feeling its absence, because you can feel them in the room and not in the room anymore, in my experience, makes you realize how much animals matter, right? Like it makes you, it makes me, I can't say what it makes you, but it makes me understand how close I am to that cracking feeling all the time. And I live away from it in order to enjoy life and fight for my right to be happy. I move away from it. I throw a blanket on it so that I can go on and do things. But the truth is that that cracking feeling is always there because I know that billions of animals, not just dogs and cats, right? Just billions of life like that, that feeling are being completely obliterated. They're, they're being made absent all the time. And if I think about that every day, all day, if I acknowledge that cracking feeling with me, just how close it is, I don't know how I could be a mom and a wife and a friend and a raider and a I don't know how, I don't know how. So how do you make space for that feeling today and take care of yourself so that you can go on? What is that going to look like for you? What's the goal for you? I have two great foster dogs here and I have three great dogs upstairs and my kids and my husband and my family and my friends. I think that Remy was lucky in the way that he was able to go so peacefully with somebody who loved and cared for him. When I think about all the animals in the shelter that don't get that, that's really hard. And I know I made the right decision and that's going to help me get through this, but I'm also going to allow myself to, to grieve and to feel all the feelings and to get the support where I feel I need it. What does support look like to you? What is the best way to support you right now? Support is just knowing that there are people who care about me, who care about Remy, who understand how I'm feeling, 
And even if they don't understand how I'm feeling, they still care. I surrounded myself yesterday with professionals and friends, my rescue friends, because it shouldn't be a decision that one person makes. It should be a group decision. And I can go through this knowing that I I did everything. I covered all the bases. I spoke to all the people because no matter what, I think you're going to question it. I mean, even when my dog Foster was dying of cancer and was clearly not well, he would still have those like random bursts of almost like puppy energy. And I would say, oh my God, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe he's, it's not the time. But thankfully, Nate was like, if you do that, if you cancel this appointment, you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for Foster. Yeah, the husbands can really. They really can. Bring it real sometimes. They can really bring it real. And that was a big learning moment for me. And I take that with me with every decision, every hard decision I have to make, because it was true. It was true. If I canceled that appointment for Foster, I was doing it for me. I was not doing it for him. He was clearly sick and he was ready to go. And I don't even remember how I started talking about this. (laughs) If there was a question, you know, I think that that's what it really comes down to is doing it for, for them. Yeah. Uh, We unfortunately have to carry that burden of making decisions for those who can't speak for themselves. I know that with Sassy, my recent beagle who passed away, just a moment to to relate to you with a Me Too. She got like sick on a Thursday, sort of shaking and panting and acting very strange, very, very shaky. And because we do a lot of hounds, we thought it was a disc vertebrae thing because it happens a lot with the hounds. And that's what the vet said when I took her to a vet that day, that exact day. And Saturday she had, she was gone. And what we found out on Friday was that she was bleeding inside and that she had had an undetected cancer, which is not exactly true. She, when she, when we adopted her, she had memory tumors removed, but there was no evidence that anything was back. I don't, you know, want to, I'm not going to put my dog through an x-ray every three months, just guessing you know but I guess it had returned inside and it had attacked her blood so I don't know if she was bleeding she couldn't clot okay when they drew blood that that's when they knew she couldn't clot and I this I don't even know why I'm telling you this I don't know if I told you this but my husband and kids came to the vet to say goodbye she was lying on the table and everybody was screaming and crying it was just like this huge scene very very typical Friedman behavior (laughs) And I said, like, okay, we're saying goodbye. And I swear to you. And the vet was like, you know, there is an emergency hospital. You could try. And everybody was saying goodbye. And I was like, no, I mean, everyone's saying goodbye. You're telling me that it's a blood situation. Right. Like, how dare you tell me there's another option at this moment? Well, Sassy raised her head. And what I heard was, you're not going to try. So I said, I'm going to race her to the vet, to the emergency, I mean, to the emergency hospital. To which my husband said, you are. And so after we had had half an hour of a giant tragedy play being enacted in the veterinary hospital here in Austin, I mean, the, the veterinarian office in Austin, I raced her to the animal hospital, came in like carrying her in a blanket, like 
think Sally Field would play me in the movie. Right. And I'm like, she's something's going on with her blood clotting. All this to say $3,000 later, which I don't give a shit. I'm happy to give $3,000 donation to an amazing animal hospital. After giving her plasma, after tests, they called me Saturday morning at six in the morning and they were like, we cannot keep doing this to her. She is dying. So I ran over my pajamas. My point in all of this is to say, I did everything I could. I did over everything I could. Like I went a little, like it was like, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Sassy looked right. at me like I'm offended. Like I'm, I'm offended. Like you're, right. you, like I, I got the message from her. She was like, I need to know how you feel about me through action, through financial, <laughs> through a financial contribution. Oh my God. But my point is watching your video with Remy, I'm brought back to that moment with her where it's like, I'm driving there. I know what's happening, right? I'm driving there. I walk in. They lead me to the room. Here she comes in a blanket. I'm holding her. And if I slow down and I really think about it, it's like, I'm just wanting so badly for her to know how much she counts. And I, I'm absorbing, you know, it's not even like that. It's so sad. Oh my God. And of course, and you make the choice. It's that if you're in the room, which you sh- I feel like everyone deserves to have someone who loves them in the room, every living being, it's like you're absorbing something there that is so beyond words and is so much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And there's the absorption of it. And then after the, the shot and the second shot and their release, you have a release. And in that little bit of time, there you've gone through a journey. You've absorbed something. It's happened to your whole body. And then you're back. That's the only way I can describe how it felt to me. And when I watched your video, what I saw, what I felt, why that cracking happened. Because I saw that journey in you. Oh, for sure. It is a journey. And it's a life. It's very fast. But it is. And it's a whole lifetime. It is. It really is. I'm sorry, baby, that this happened. Me too. And I hope that me being open and honest with my feelings today helps somebody feel better about having to go through the same thing. The fact that you are going to keep him with you, it's a testament for and speaks to your passion and your purpose to, to bear so much for their well-being. I mean, I loved him. I only knew him for such a short amount of time, but I loved him. It doesn't make sense not to have him with me. Jenny, my last questions to you. One is, what do you think it is about these animals that you can love so fast and so fully and so purely, like you could just give it to them. Yeah. There's this innocence to them that makes you fall in love with them immediately. They're just beautiful, loving beings. You just pick up on it so fast. You go all in, all in. I mean, you know that with me and Wally in our meeting. Yeah. And it's beautiful about you. It's innocent about you. Yeah. What can you do for your own self-care? We've talked about ways other people can support you. And I'm going to. What can you do for you? What would that look like? What would feel good for you? I am going to go see a friend after this. Spend some time 
face to face with a friend, which will feel good. And then I'm going to take these doggos for a walk, spend some time outside. And then I will eventually later today clean up Remy's space and put that away. And I think that in a way it'll be cathartic. That's my plan. And of course, iced coffee is involved. Wow. I mean, you are who you are. Obviously. I am who I am. I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you for hopping on a last minute where I was like, let's do this in five minutes because I really want people to, to feel what I'm feeling because we do, we are able to move on with our lives. We hold them with us forever, but we are able to move on. And I knew that even by tomorrow, things would, would sound different coming from me. And so it just felt like if we could do this now, let's do it now so that they could really hear the pain and the gifts, right? There are gifts and the gifts and the gifts. Yeah. So thank you for hopping on last minute in the middle of your day. Thank you. Thank you for, and I love you. I love you. And thank you for being so vulnerable and so authentic. And I didn't mean to put words in your mouth, but I want to say that from where I sit, I think this pain is, is a huge gift. I think it's the point of it all to feel like this, to care like this, whether that means, you know, the end of your dog, your dog's life that you've had forever, or a reason of behavior or health for a dog you love, or even why making a case for why to take in a senior animal. It's like this feeling you didn't run away from. I'm so inspired by that. Thank you. I can't wait to hear what our listeners have to say, but I hope that they all just shower you with love after today's episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into The Animal That Changed You. We'll see you next week. We hope you subscribe to this show and leave a review, tell your people, and become our friend. Follow us on Instagram at The Animal That Changed You and at Better Together Dog Rescue. We're here for you and we're here for your animals. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D.com. Ah!